It is good for us to be here this evening. It is good for our hearts and our souls and for our very lives of faith as we consider the glories of the passion, the glories of our Savior. But we have to admit as we do this, it is such a struggle for us. We're so distracted, even in the midst of our modern world with all the technological advancements we're harangued we're hampered we're driven on all sides to be distracted to not think about the glory of Christ some of you are probably thinking about a little golf match that's going on maybe right now it's true And that's even before we are honest with our hearts and our minds that we are filled with sinful pride. We struggle to recognize all that God had to do to save us in Christ Jesus. And then there's that whole rampant evil culture that we live within. Everything's driving us away from focusing upon the cross tonight. So we need help. So it's good that we're here that we slow down and we take a deep, deep look at Christ Jesus and the passion to ponder the glory, to ponder all that he did to save his bride. And so tonight as we do this, I want to simply ask a question, the question, why is Good Friday so good? You know, on the surface, we're quick to respond Well, Good Friday is so good because it was so bad for Jesus. It's so good for us because it was so bad for him. We, as good Reformed believers, we love to join our voices with Martin Luther and declare the blessed exchange. And Sam introduced our service that way this evening. Christ took our cup of cursing that we might have his cup of blessing Praise the Lord for that. Indeed, the blessed exchange. But as part of that me-centered perspective of the gospel, why is Good Friday so good for me? I want us to consider just for a moment tonight, also from Jesus' perspective, from his heart commitment, his service, his actions. Why is Good Friday so good for Jesus Christ. And I think if we do that honestly and look at the heart of Christ, I pray that it will cause us to love him all the more. Why Good Friday is good for Jesus. So, so how and why is Good Friday good for Jesus? What makes Good Friday so good for Jesus? From the Lord's perspective, how can this be? Because we know and we remember the horrors of that day. Good Friday, we've been singing about it. We've been reading about it. The the last seven words from Christ from the cross. The reality of his painful, shameful death upon the cross for sinners like you and me. We've gathered to remember. We remember the torture and the beatings, the whippings, the scourging. The horror of it all. The ripping out of his beard, the mocking and the jeering and the blasphemy. And we remember the thorns. We remember the the nails, the cross, the spear. So how could any of this be good from the perspective of Jesus Christ? 
What is good? Well, the noun good defined, I looked it up. The definition simply is good is profit or an advantage. It's worth. It's a benefit. We often ask the question, what good is that? What good will it bring? Well, what good, what worth, what benefit did the cross bring for Jesus Christ? Because when you ponder the glory of Christ from all eternity past, he had a perfect and wonderful relationship with God the Father and the Holy Spirit. This joyous, wonderful union and communion within the Godhead forever and ever past. But to magnify the praise of God, his glorious grace, and to redeem and beautify and take possession of his bride, all the pain and all the shame and all the horrors of Christ's passion were good. Good. You see, Good Friday is good for Jesus in that it brings the benefit of a bride made perfect A bride made beautiful, a bride made spotless, a bride fit for the king of the universe. Our Savior loves us. Well, Hebrews 12, 2 gives us insight. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame So consider tonight, consider the love of Christ, consider the mystery and the irony that that Friday was, Good Friday was so unconscionably bad for Jesus and yet for the joy of the Lord filling his heart to take his bride, it was good, it was good. How horrible it is for our fallen culture to, to so take the good gifts of God like marriage and cast them in the dump. Just think about that. Here we are in this broken and sinful world where we call the good evil and the evil good. And and we see that in the rejection of true marriage. One man and one woman joined together in the Lord for life. How much more do we see it repudiated and discarded and blasphemed with so-called gay marriage. We should weep as we consider the hatred of this world towards the Lord and the, the lostness and the brokenness of this world because we know, brothers and sisters, that God is good. And he has given us every good thing for life. He gave Adam and Eve all that they needed for life and for happiness, for goodness, They needed each other and the joys of marriage in the Lord. And yet how horrible this foundational creational blessing is broken and perverted by sin. How horrible. But you see, hallelujah, our Savior is the perfect man. He's not defiled by sin. He doesn't have a sin nature. He is the true man and the perfect man. So he had perfect and righteous desires to have his bride. To know her, to love her, to be in union with her and communion with her. 
And so knowing all the joy and the blessing that would be for his bride on account of his life and his death upon the cross, his glorious resurrection and ascension, he ran with eagerness all the way to the cross. And that's why Luke reminds us over and over again as Jesus is on the move, he had his face set like flint towards Jerusalem, which was the cross Because he was ready for the joys of his marriage and his bride. Salvation for his bride, for his church, his people. Holy, without spot or blemish. Made radiant in the splendor of his righteousness. That they might have, we might have holy peace with God the Father through the Son. And to know the joys of truly being known and known by the Lord. Knowing and being known. For the joy that was set before him. So consider that. Think about this. Just as I read a few verses from God's word. Let them hit you from this perspective. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? For his bride? And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Even death on a cross for his bride? Out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities for his bride. But I'm a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people for my bride, says the Christ. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not for his bride. You see, Good Friday was the culmination of the bride price that our loving Savior paid that he might have us in the joy of holy marriage. The Savior with his bride. What manner of love is this? If we really stop and consider just who we are. All cleaned up and wearing nice clothes and yet our hearts so easily giving, given over to, to backbiting and petulance and sin, pride, lust, petty, Imagine loving somebody so much that you would give them your all in all. Your blood, your sweat, your tears, your life, your resources. And then with all of that culminating in being judged in their place for cosmic treason. And all the while, they hated you. Really and truly deep down. You know, I've heard about this, but I've never seen it as a pastor and I'm glad. But right at the very end. The groom runs off before the wedding. Well, if there was ever a case in which that would be, look at us. But Jesus loves his bride. So he went all the way with joy, knowing what he would experience, knowing what we would experience. I mean, think about it just for a moment. As we track through the passion 
the passion of the Lord, the passion of our Christ. The Bible shows it to us in, in the three G's, I like to say, Gethsemane, Gabbatha, and Golgotha. We've been singing about this. Gethsemane, the place of pressing. The beginning of his passion, where the father presented him with the reality of what it would cost to redeem his bride. Holding forth the reality of that cup of wrath and saying, this is the way, it's the only way. And Jesus submitting to the the Father's will and love and enjoy, even as he is seeing who it is that he is dying for. Even while he's been presented with the cup of wrath, there are his closest followers that can't even stay awake and pray with him and for him. But you see, Christ could see beyond the sinful, faithless, selfish, disobedient, and denying hearts of Peter and all those given to him by the Father to what his good and glorious work would bring, that they would be glorified in him, set apart and sanctified, saved, transformed from the inside out. And from Gethsemane, we go to Gabbatha, that place called the stone pavement, that place of sinful human judgment, whereby not only all the pagan nations represented on earth by Rome and Pontius Pilate repudiated and reject the Christ, but even his own people, the descendants of Abraham, the children of Israel, rejecting their king their Messiah. But you see, Christ in His joy, in His longing for His bride, He could see beyond the sinful and faithless rejection of His bride, those given to Him by the Father, to what they would be in Him through His passion, through His active and passive obedience, so that they would be transformed and and changed, not Not that they would remain a a people that would repudiate and reject the Christ, but they would confess the Christ and praise Him with their lips and with their hearts and with their lives. He looked past the pain of Gabbatha to what we would be in Him. And then it all culminates at Golgotha, doesn't it? The skull. Calvary, we see the horrors of the cross, the unspeakable physical anguish, and the even greater judgment that we can't even begin to imagine, whereby the Lord Jesus Christ, the perfect and pure, holy Lamb, became sin for us. He who knew no sin became sin for us on the cross so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Imagine. What a gift. What a glory. So that Christ Jesus could cry out, holding fast to to what would be in the joys of his union and communion with his his bride. He, He went all the way. He cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then it is finished to tell us die.
You see, the bride price had been paid. On the cross, the horrors of forsakenness, knowing that in the agony of an eternal judgment, satisfying the eternal wrath of holy God so that his bride could be forever cherished and loved and known. Paradise for the people of Christ. Peace and joy that we might know shalom. Hallelujah. Well, after the storm, after the trial, after the judgment comes the eternal blessing. He merited what we need that we might have life in him. And that's the glorious final word that we hear tonight. Father, into your hands I commit your spirit. With the resting and the culmination of his bride price and all that he did for us, we too can rest in him and rejoice in him. He cried out in joy so that we can cry out in joy. You see, he did everything that we might be saved and sanctified so that we might be transformed from the inside out. And not just knowing the blessing of God judicially that we're declared forgiven and righteous, but experientially. He's my Lord, my King, my Savior. He is the great bridegroom. You see, Good Friday is so good because Jesus paid the bride price. Good for him, good for us, good for the family of God. So let's reflect this Good Friday on the seriousness of sin that we've been reading about and singing about, the reality of what it cost our Savior. And let's reflect upon the character of Almighty God. He is just. He can't not look upon sin and just let it go. But let's remember the glory that at the cross, justice meets mercy. For the bride of Christ, hallelujah, what a Savior. He's done everything necessary for us to know life and peace. We have to realize, brothers and sisters, that Good Friday is the day that changed the course of human history. So I ask us all tonight, has Good Friday changed the course of your life? Is your life marked by eternal joy because of the joy that was set before Jesus to have you? So that he despised the cross and the pain and the shame to save you, to sanctify you. Has it changed your life, your history, your future? Well, if you have, for the very first time tonight, the the seeds of faith beginning to warm in your heart for this man, Jesus, don't resist. Run. Rest. Receive the Christ. Because we have the power of the gospel. Because we know what happened three days later. He burst open the grave and was raised in power and glory forever and ever and ever our savior our king our bridegroom so let's look to jesus brothers and sisters let's walk with him by his spirit and in faith and obedience loving our spouses our children our families our church and our neighbor 
that we would be marked by his joy, the joy that was set before him, the joy that caused him to go forth and sanctify and save us that we might be resplendent in him, beautified, his people. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we thank you for your great loving kindness that you've poured out upon us so richly in Christ our Savior. We pray that on this Good Friday we would meditate upon the horror of the cross, the reality of sin, the truth of your judgment, but that we would also meditate upon the great love of our Savior's heart to go all the way to have his bride. And that we would rest resolutely in the fact, the beautiful truth tonight, that our salvation is none of our works, which are all bankrupt and corrupted, but all because of Christ and the gift of faith in the Holy Spirit to lay hold of him and to believe in him. Oh Lord, may faith rise up tonight in our hearts that we would be filled and empowered by the very joy of our Savior King. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.